0: Hey, we haven't even pulled away from the drive-thru and you're already digging in the McDonald's bag. (laughs) Aw, babe, just a few. (laughs) All right. I guess I can't blame you. Pass me some, too. (laughs) The smells too good to get it all the way home meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. And now your favorite spicy chicken McNuggets are back. Get a six-piece spicy or classic for just two bucks, only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.
1: Hockey fans, join the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, James Neveau, and me, Jay Zawoski, February 24th at the All-State Arena for our annual Chicago Wolves outing. $20 gets you tickets to the game, free parking, a free hot dog, a free soda, a Madhouse Podcast t-shirt, Wolves gear, and a pregame meet-and-greet with Chicago Wolves brass. Visit madhousepod.com slash events and click the image for the link to buy tickets. That's $20 for a ticket. Free parking, free hot dog, free soda, Madhouse podcast t-shirt, Wolves gear, and a pregame meet and greet. Come join us and the Chicago Wolves on February 24th at the Allstate Arena, madhousepod.com slash events for tickets.
0: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and by Michael Elwood of Remax First Service, serving the Chicagoland area. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Navo and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski.
2: Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, my friends, to the latest edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the pride and joy of Homewood, Illinois, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score. Jay, been feeling a little bit under the weather the last couple of days. I'm going to go ahead and chalk it up to the fact that I did the uh, winter... Uh, winter classic podcast outside uh, last week. I'm going to go ahead and blame that. But aside (laughs) from my medical condition, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. I mean, that was a solid point. The Hawks just took tonight from the Predators. Um, You know, this is we're getting to the point now where they're playing better. So now, like, expectations are starting to be like, okay, well, they should be good or play well or play close in every game. And then they do that. Like the game against Calgary, they played really well. And I think they played overall really well tonight. But they just don't have the horses to win these games. And it's sort of frustrating, right? Because back when they were getting housed and they sucked, uh, you know, it's like, well, they're really bad and they're going to be really bad. And that's just how it is. It was sort of easier to accept. Now we're seeing them play good games against good teams, but they just keep falling short. And I don't know what's more frustrating, just completely sucking. Or, um, you know, losing close games. And that's kind of where I wanted to start tonight. I know you and I have not really talked about this podcast at all. But something's been on my mind. And um, everyone knows, you know, uh, it's my job to cover the Blackhawks. It's yours as well. But the reason I have that job is because I'm a Blackhawks fan. Uh, and I was a Blackhawks fan, and that's when the Hawks got good and the score needed someone who knew something about hockey, I raised my hand, and the rest is history. That's truly how it happened, and I'm lucky that it happened that way. So I see a lot of this uh, on Twitter and on Facebook or wherever. The lose for Hughes thing. The Hawks should tank. They should mail in this season. They should do everything they can to get the first overall pick. And the brain tells me that makes a lot of sense. They're not going to win a Stanley Cup this year. They're not going to probably even make the playoffs. Um, so why even bother? Why even try to win? All those sort of things. The fan in me that's still there, that still lies under the surface, is uh, I, I can't get behind that. I really have trouble doing it. And most nights I find myself wanting the Hawks to win and being frustrated when they don't. And I don't know if I can ever truly get behind a tanked a tank to win draft position sort of a thing I don't know why it's just maybe the last remnants of my fandom but I, I can't see myself ever getting to that point
2: point. And, and I think almost by default they're probably going to be in a position where they've got at least a moderate like decent shot of getting the number one pick I'm not saying they're going to finish with the NHL's worst record or anything like that but I almost think that You know, there is a possibility they could have like the fourth, the fifth, the sixth worst record in the NHL and still have at least somewhat of a shot to get that pick. I mean, right now they're only three points ahead of Los Angeles for having the worst record in the Western Conference. And yet they're still only five points out of a playoff spot like the Blackhawks are in a super weird spot right now where, yeah, it kind of stinks like watching them like come close and, you know, strike out in the end. But then at the same time, you've got, you know the playoffs are still like at least a little bit of a possibility. And I think as long as they're in that position, I don't think the guys on the ice are going to be going out there, obviously thinking about number one draft pick or anything like that. They're going to be thinking, try to get into the playoffs, do whatever you can to do that. And I think that's obviously that's great for them. It's great for us because we're seeing a lot of progress and a lot of uh, changes to the way the Blackhawks play the game. But at the same time, I can see that kind of like cold hearted analytics Aspects of it where it's like look like you Have a better chance to get competitive Quick if you can get young Cheap talent at the top of the draft That's able to play either right away Or within a year and a guy like Jack Hughes obviously is a guy That can get you pointed in that direction So I, I, I like What I'm seeing a lot from the Blackhawks right now I like a lot of what they're doing on the ice. Their pace has been better. Like you said, they've been playing better on the power play. They're doing a lot of little things right that they weren't doing right earlier in the season, and that's all great. But at the end of the season, if they're going to like end up missing the playoffs, I'm kind of okay if you trade a guy or two away and then end up with one of those like fourth or fifth worst record and see how the draft lottery ends up treating you. I think that it's possible to both enjoy where they're at like right now in terms of their play and playing better, while also kind of hoping in the back of your mind that they maybe can get into that position to draft Jack Hughes at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, and I think as we get closer to that point, um, I'll, I'll sort of come around to that. I just the active rooting for losing. Maybe that. Maybe that's more of the thing. Is people that are like, hell yeah, they lost. One one day closer to Hughes yeah i don't know if i can ever get on board with that again i get the logic and what you said is totally sensible and and obvious you know they should try to get as good as they can get as quickly as they can and getting jack hughes or another prospect of that nature gets them better faster and that's obvious and it makes sense and it's the right thing to do i just can't get on board with like um matt spiegel on the score when talking about the bulls you say tank win competitive game close game but they lost Right, like tonight would have been a tank win, you know, and the Calgary game was a tank win. Um, I just can't. I'm not there yet. I'm not there, yet. but we. I my fault. I moved on a little too quickly from tonight's game. A couple things I want to hit on uh, before we move on to big picture stuff. Um, another solid game for Colin Delia, not outstanding, otherworldly like he's been in his most of his other starts, but uh, I, I'm firmly in the camp of I said on the last post game show. James that he should get I moved my 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 wants up from 60 percent to 70 <laughs> percent I want 70 percent of the starts now going to Colin until uh Corey Crawford comes back if Corey Crawford does come back uh Delia's got to be the guy here you gave you threw Cam Ward the winter classic bone uh you let him start the first game of the back-to-backs and you got to win in Pittsburgh great grand wonderful it's Colin time now from here on out for, for the most part
2: I got to agree with that. I think that he's been playing really well for the most part. I know that Pierre Maguire during the telecast tonight was talking about how the Predators were saying that he was giving up some rebounds and I've been seeing that a little bit. I think he's still working on that part of his game being able to kind of control the rebound where he's kicking the puck out too. But he's also making some like incredibly awesome yeah. and really athletic saves and you saw that several times tonight especially against Victor Arvidson where it's just like this beautiful one-on-one matchup and Colin Delia has just got this like awesome athleticism and he's just like it seems like he's oozing with potential and I know that's like a really I hate the word oozing by the way that word is terrible <laughs> but it's true like he abso- oozing. I don't know why oozing is a bad word. It's it, I don't know. Sounds it just gross. sounds weird. Yeah. Any um, anyway, I have mentioned I'm sick. I have a cold. So maybe that's part of it. But anyway, I digress. I think that what what we've seen from him so far has been that he's just got a lot of potential. He's got a lot of really I think good skills. He's obviously super athletic in the crease, definitely working on his ability to kind of control rebounds and to kick them where they need to go. And I think the only way that he's going to be able to improve in areas like that is he does have to keep playing. And that's why I definitely think that you're on the right track with saying that he should probably be in for 70 to 75% of the starts. I think that he needs to be their primary starter down the stretch. And I'm, I'm basically at this point, Unless something drastically changes, I'm assuming Corey Crawford's not coming back this season. I mean, I think that is a very fair assumption. There's obviously been no reported progress on his part. And you know what? That's totally fine. Like He needs to take his time. He needs to get healthy, all that stuff. But until then, I I see no argument why you should not be giving Colin Delia the vast – vast majority of the starts and that has nothing to do with how cam ward's been playing i think that he's had a really solid run of late after a really shaky start and i got to give him a lot of credit for the way he's kind of turned things around but this is the colin delia show we need to know what we've got from this kid and whether or not he's the goaltender of the future and i think that jeremy collidan and the blackhawks are starting to see that
1: yeah i think he understands that uh and and i think we're going to see as the season goes on here um way more calendelia as it should be he knows he i mean look it's not even like him and ward are close and you're just gonna well let's play the young guy he's clearly better he clearly gives you a better chance to win so there's truly no reason at all to play cam ward and i think we we've praised cowden all year for opting to go with the young guy over the veteran to give them the, that experience and i think the same thing is going to occur Uh, with Colin and that's good. One other thing I want to mention too um, we have been high in our praise of Dylan Strom since the Blackhawks acquired him but two kind of rough games in a row for him uh, in Calgary taking a bunch of penalties and then tonight uh, not a real strong game nothing that concerns me but I think it bears mentioning um, I don't know if we're going to see him sort of regress to not what he was in Arizona but um, you know he's a guy that's going to get his points playing with Patrick Kane playing on the power play, um, and boy, he looked extra slow tonight. And I don't know if it was just a matter of his line mates or whatever, but uh, two games from Stroman in a row I wasn't a huge fan of. Um, again, nothing crazy. I'm not going to jump off a bridge and say that he's a bust or anything like that. By the way, Nick Schmaltz out for the year for Arizona. That's that's brutal. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, you know, we were doing the whole thing like, who won the trade? Well... <laughs> I think we have our answer now. Not that we're happy that, uh, you know, Nick Schmaltz is hurt by any means. But, uh, yeah, so I, I want to see more from Strom. I want to see him get back to that form he was in. But all in all, you beat the Penguins. You take the Flames to the brink. You take the Predators to the brink. Three of the better teams in hockey. I mean, look, uh, the Penguins had, had been, what, unbeaten in eight straight when the Hawks beat them. So mm-hmm. they've been playing well against good teams, and that to me is a really great sign.
2: Yeah, and the Predators are, I think, 5-0-1 in their last six games, too. I mean, this has been a stretch of games that you've been playing against some pretty tough teams, and I know, obviously, like the black magic that's been going on with the Blackhawks being able to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins as of late, but yeah, they've been giving some really good showings, I think, against some really solid teams, and there's been some kind of up-and-down performances like you mentioned from uh, Dylan Strom. He hasn't looked particularly strong in the last couple of games. Didn't really like what I saw from Eric Gustafson tonight either. I felt like he was not really playing within himself. I think he was maybe trying to do a little bit too much. Made a couple of really kind of bad mistakes. There were a couple of bad moments for Carl Dahlstrom as well where he got out of position and ended up getting burned I believe on it was Nashville's uh, second goal of the evening. And like there's going to be those moments I think for those guys where they're just there are going to be growing pains. There are going to be moments when they make mistakes when they're trying to do too much or whatever. And that's just—it's kind of par for the course, and it's an eighty-two game season, and this thing's going to kind of ebb and flow, and there are going to be bad moments, and I, I think we—we've seen a couple of those, but at the same time, we've also been seeing a team that's been able to kind of overcome some of that and really make these last couple of games really competitive, and I've been really impressed by that.
1: Right, one more thought on tonight's game—well, uh, two more thoughts. First of all, Anisimov gets a tying goal. Uh, how many pucks did he lose at his feet? uh <laughs> during today's game i, I think like, he just lost another one by seriously. the way seriously i was so happy for him that he scored because you could tell he was just like oh my god keep track of the puck you ass uh but this this tweet from uh scott powers this is an, uh, i believe this ha- was tweeted during the second intermission so i've not seen these numbers updated yet but in the second intermission henry Yokohariu's Corsi rating was 78.95 He was on the ice for 15 shot attempts, four and four against, and 9.48 of five-on-five ice time. That is otherworldly. Those are huge Corsi numbers. Uh, So needless to say, uh, Henry Yokoharu has jumped right back in where he was before he was lent to gold medalist uh, World Junior Championship Team Finland, and he's back and uh, right in time uh, because Forsling goes down, and I'm convinced, James, we're never going to see this Blackhawks defensive core at full strength. It's never going to happen. No, nope. no. Nope. Someone. Will I mean, be and then Brent
2: Seabrook or... didn't play tonight. Yeah, and... he had the poops. Yeah, you're basic. <laughs> you're basic. It's like a Bulls thing where like they haven't been able to get Chris Dunn and Zach Levine and Laurie Markinen on the floor at the same time. Right. It's the exact same thing with the Blackhawks. They're not going to be able to get their top six defensemen on the ice at the same time. You're just going to keep getting stuck with Brandon Davidson.
1: Have fun with it. He's not horrible. He's a guy. He is a, totally a guy. He is the David Kampf of defensemen.
2: <laughs> He's the just a guy guy.
1: <laughs> yes, he is. All right, that's enough about this game, damn it. Let's get on to the big picture stuff like real men. I don't even know what I'm talking about. It is 10 p.m. I don't know. I'm, don't you, yeah, you're I'm a little, weird, man. I'm a little loopy. But by, speaking of loopy, today is the birthday of <laughs> Chris Hubble of Triple Threat Sports. want to thank Chris uh, for his years of sponsorship. He was our first ever sponsor He's our guy, he's our pal, and it is his birthday. So happy birthday to Chris Hubble. You know that's the place to go if you need an NHL jersey. Head on out there, too, if your team needs outfitting, 708-478-6090 or email chris at Triple Threat Triplethreatsports, if you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be back with a whole lot more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
2: What you doing?
0: bose is the registered trademark of the bose corporation color combinations include interior and exterior colors customization is an available feature subject to availability at participating nissan dealer see dealer for details news laws and regulations are changing by the day we get it it's hard to stay on top of it all that's why adp is here to guide you with up to the minute compliance expertise to help you navigate these complex times so you can pay your people accurately and on time regardless of changes in legislation when you rely on us for payroll and hr you're trusting us to help you take care of your people it's what we've been doing for over 70 years and that's not about to change adp hr talent time benefits and payroll informed by data and designed for people
1: welcome back to the madhouse chicago hockey podcast jay Zawaski with you here james neveau is out there in lovely bourbon uh we have a lot to get to today but first got to tell you about our longtime sponsor mariska's and crest hill Family owned and operated since 1933. They're at 604 Theodore Street. The poor boys, the burgers, the steaks, the chops, the seafood, the double baked potato. I think twice baked potatoes. I got to say correctly, twice baked potatoes, the giant mountain of onion rings, the craft beer menu, everything at Marishka's is outstanding. Make sure you head on out to Marishka's, Take some friends with you. They'll be impressed. You'll be the hero of the day and you will leave smelling of glorious garlic butter and it will be a great day for you. So go visit our friends at Marishka 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Visit them on Facebook at facebook.com slash marishkas or at marishkas.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S dot com. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So get out, say hello to Joe and everybody out there at Marishka's. You will be glad that you did. Now, James, Drake Kajula, who was traded to the Blackhawks roughly seven months ago, finally yeah. made his debut a couple games ago, and I want to get your thoughts on what you've seen from him. Um, played tonight on a line with Brandon Sod and David Kampf, as opposed to the fourth line where he had started off with the Hawks. I uh, want to get your take on him, and uh, and I'll give you mine when you're done. I want to give you the floor, my friend. I'm talking too much. <laughs>
2: well, well, I mean, the only time I really noticed him tonight was when he got tackled by Dan Hamhuse in the uh, offensive zone. But yeah. uh, I, I think, like, here's the thing. Like, uh, what, what were you re- realistically expecting from him coming into the team? Were you expecting him to be like a big possession guy? Were you expecting him to be like a big, like, offensive contributor? I kind of looked at him as one of those, like, tweener, second or third line guys that would probably get some looks with the top six forwards, but probably would more often play kind of that third line role where he gets some solid, even strength time. I found it very interesting the way that uh, Jeremy Colliden's been actually using him. He got some uh, penalty-killing time tonight, which I definitely noticed. He made a couple of really nice plays, some good shot blocks tonight by the entire penalty-killing unit. I'll give uh, Marcus Kruger and Brandon Davidson some credit on that as well. But um, I've been kind of moderately impressed. It's not been like Dylan Strom or like he immediately came in and was really like kind of blowing the doors off everybody. And you really noticed Dylan Strom when he came in. Mm-hmm. I, I think Kajula has been fine. Yeah, I haven't really thought like much of him overall. And like I said, the only time I really noticed him tonight was when he was on a penalty kill, which has been kind of an interesting thing that Jeremy Colliden has been doing in terms of like utilizing his guys and then when he got tackled and slammed to the ground by uh, Dan Hamhuis, that was about it.
1: Yeah, it, it's and, and it's a good question what you asked me. Like, What did I expect? And I think what we've seen from him is basically what I expected. Would it be nice if a, one of them ended up in the back of the net? Sure. But we've seen him not, not so much tonight. I think tonight was the weakest of his game so far. But uh, in the first two games he had against Pittsburgh and against Calgary, you saw him generating some scoring chance and limited ice time, supplying energy and speed. He obviously has some skill. I do think it's a guy that could be a permanent fixture on a third line and can give you maybe 10, 15, maybe when he peaks 20 goals. And look, that's a hell of a lot better than Brandon Manning. It's going to be a guy that you can have depth on your team with who will always be kind of an affordable player. So I really like what they've brought in in Drake Kajula. I know he's a little guy, but he doesn't play small, if that makes sense. Uh, I don't want to compare him to Andrew Shaw because I think it's kind of a lazy comparison. But the play style is the same. Once you saw Andrew Shaw play... You weren't like, well, he's small, right? He he just he didn't play that way. He didn't get pushed around. It's just you know you don't say Brad Marchand's small anymore either, because he doesn't play a small game. And Drake Kajula is nowhere near the skill of those two guys, but a similar sort of game where the size isn't so much a factor. He's literally sort of a fire plug, gets to where he needs to go. He's got good speed. I think he's got some offensive upside. So um, I'm not really impressed or Unimpressed with his play so far. It's kind of what you'd expect from a guy finding his legs on a new squad. Now I did like Brandon Sod is sort of the offensive leader of that line tonight, especially early on in the first period. He had the puck a lot, and I was sort of mm-hmm. worried, like, man, is Brandon Sod the kind of guy that can carry a line on his own? Because everyone wanted to see could get top six minutes, and I, I get what Cowden was doing. Cowden's trying to spread the offense around. That's why he had to bring it on the third line. Now, Sod takes that role, and I think that line actually played pretty well tonight. I, I liked what I saw. I think Saad had a terrific game uh, against Nashville, and he's been obviously pretty good lately. So, I don't know. I was a little surprised to see Sod take such control of that line tonight.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting uh, point by you, that Brandon sod has been kind of getting that responsibility of carrying that line with the way Jeremy Collin has kind of reshuffled things. And I think the thing that we need to keep in mind about Saad is just how strong he's been playing on his own like the the quality of play ever since the whole benching incident happened earlier this season he's really been kind of coming back into his own and I think the the thing that's really going to help him if he's going to be the primary offensive catalyst on a line is just playing with that confidence. And I think that's kind of what Jeremy Colladen is going to be banking on. Like he's going to be banking on Brandon Sod, being able to kind of create with the puck and get into open scoring areas and open up the ice a little bit for his teammates. And I think that, it's a really interesting decision by Colliden because I think it's based on the confidence that Brandon Sod is playing with. He's not your prototypical guy like Patrick Kane, who's always going to carry the puck into the zone. Like Brandon Sod's usually the guy that's getting to the front of the net or he's kind of getting into open space. And I think that it's an interesting tactical switch by Colliden to kind of take advantage of the confidence that Brandon Sod is playing with. Uh, I
1: agree and, and uh, I like I I, I like kind of just it's almost like handing him a leadership role a little bit you know it's not slapping an a on a sweater but it's saying like look this is your line do it take it make it yours right I, I feel like his entire Hawks career he's been in kind of like a deferential like he's the winger for Taves most of the time and sometimes he was with Kane or whoever I'd like to see him get a shot I hope this lasts a couple games for his benefit. Just and, and just for sort of the benefit, like our scouting benefit, like can he do it? Can that be a guy who carries a line? And of course, for Alex DeBrinket, and I want to spend some time talking about DeBrinket. Scored uh, his twentieth goal last game, uh, and has been everything Hawks fans have hoped for him to be, and probably a little bit more. And when you think about, I am going to read uh, a thread by Satchel Price. Uh, formerly of Second City Hockey, now with the Sun Times, had a really great thread on Alex Debrinkit today on his Twitter. It's at Satchel Price. Follow him. He's great, awesome dude, hockey man, good person. Um, you know, when we look back on what Alex Debrinkit's accomplished already, keep in mind there were periods of long slumps where he would go, you know, 10, 12, 13 games without a goal. And you're like, man, what? this guy is really a streaky scorer. Now he's on one of those hot streaks. But let me let me read this uh, this thread from Satchel Price for you here. Again, at Satchel Price on Twitter. Not at Satchel Page. He's dead. He does not have a Twitter anymore. Um, but at Satchel Price. He said, I don't know if we talk enough about how absurd Alex DeBrinkett's goal-scoring ability is. Only 30 players in the last 20 years have scored as many goals as him in their first two seasons. And there are still 37 games left. Among those 30, here are the 13 who scored more goals per game. Ovechkin, Laine, Matthews, Malkin, Crosby, Stamkos, Kovalchuk, Vanek, Heatley, Taves, Hall, Panarin, and Nash. Dabrinkit also doesn't play that much. Only eight of those 30 players scored more goals per 60 minutes. Pruka, Vanek, Matthews, Laine, Kovalchuk kovalchuk i always say it both ways stamkos malkin and ovechkin the being good at scoring goals isn't news to anyone but it's still impressive to see what he's done in context the blackhawks hit a home run with that second run pick second round pick so yeah i mean it's just it's crazy to look at when you see the names historically up there with alex to i don't know how you could be anything but thrilled with what he's done so far and, and what the future holds for him
2: well, I liked how you and I, when we first started talking about Dabrinkit when he got drafted, we were kind of talking about how, like, these are our, like, ideal expectations for him. These, This is what we you know, are hopeful that someday he can potentially like achieve this. And then every single time we fricking set something out for him to achieve, he just goes out there and does it, man. He's one of like the most exciting goal scorers that I think the Blackhawks have had in recent memory. He's been just an astonishing player to watch like his development on both sides of the puck. I feel like he's, you know, he holds his own defensively. He's not the greatest player in the world on that end of the ice, but When you're that good of an offensive player, as long as you can be serviceable on defense, that's a good thing. And to me, watching him kind of develop both as a goal scorer and as an overall player has just been astonishing. Because every time we set a benchmark for this kid, he ends up exceeding it. And I think the Blackhawks fans need to keep keep in mind just – What a home run of a pick. What a steal of a pick Alex Dabrinkit is. It boggles my mind that he was there when they picked him in the second round.
1: Well, see, that's funny. And Satchel went on to sort of talk about this. So before the draft, these were how he was ranked by the major outlets. Okay. ESPN had him ranked 15th. Now that's uh, Corey Pronman. He's a hockey whiz. He just happens to have the ESPN tag. Central scouting ranked him 20th among North American skaters sportsnet had him 24th tsn 33rd iss 26 the hockey news 24th so that's i mean the hawks really knocked it out of the park with him and uh it's been an incredible run to watch i really like again there's 36 games left after tonight he scored again tonight his 21st goal you're looking at a potential 40 45 goal score in his second year and you now when you sort of look at things like okay you know, if Dylan Strom sort of stays at the level he's at, which is not quite point of game, but you're looking at long-term, maybe if he maxes out like a 60, 65-point guy, Taves is having a bounce back. Kane is at the top of his game. I mean, all of a sudden, it doesn't look so dire, right? Yeah, you need a guy like Cahoon or Camp or Hayden or any of these sort of bottom six guys to take a step and be a contributor regularly, and that's really the Hawks' biggest problem right now is if it's not – Taves, Kane, Sod to Brinkett, and to a lesser extent, Strome scoring on a nightly basis. They don't get any offense. That's why they're where they are in the standings, and their D is not great. But they don't have any consistent scoring (laughs) aside from their stars. And and you can't even Patrick Kane look as an MVP candidate, he might win it this year. Probably not because they won't make the playoffs, but he's definitely a candidate he can't be expected to carry the team every night. Jonathan Taves, who's having his best season in eight years, can't carry the team every night. Sod's not that kind of guy. Dabrinkit's not that kind of guy yet. And to expect that from them every night is unfair. But you've got now another guy in Dabrinkit where you can say, this is a guy who for the next five to seven years, I can count on for 30 goals, 35 goals if he's healthy. Then you've got the development of Yokoharu. You've got the continued development of Connor Murphy, who's probably your best defenseman right now. Who knows what's going to happen with Eric Gustafson as he he matures and gets experience. You've got Dahlstrom here. You've got Mitchell in the minors. You've got Boquist and Bodan. All of a sudden, all these young players are on the horizon again. And what we said was, who's going to be that next guy, right? Who's going to be the next Taves or Kane or Keith or Seabrook, the sort of franchise guy that can carry you to titles for the next 10 years, I still don't think Dabrinkit's quite that. But if you've got four or five guys like that, now you're talking, right? So I'm not quite as down on the Hawks as I was even a month, month and a half ago. And I see a lot of people still like, they suck. They're terrible. Eh... You might want to start paying attention to the guys that matter because the guys that matter are really playing well. I don't think Cahoon matters. I don't think Kaepf matters. I don't think Hayden matters, right, in the grand scheme of things. When the team's ready to compete again, those guys are going to be replaced. But the guys you're saying, these young players have to be good. They have to develop. So far, so good on all those guys. Uh,
2: Your optimism with the offense is very well-founded, I still need to see them develop at least two top quality blue liners because their blue line is not getting any younger or any better. I'm not sure if Henry Okaharu is going to be that top two guy. I think that he could, but I mean, it's still obviously way too early to make any kind of a ruling on him. But then you need at least Adam Boquist or Nicholas Bodan. you need one of those guys to come and play really well as well. So like that, the optimism on offense is fine, but then I think that we also do need to keep in mind, they've got that issue on defense and there's that whole goaltending thing too. Is Colin Delia going to be your next all-star potential goaltender like that? I can get behind like getting optimistic about this team's offense, but there is still a long road to go before we can say, well, it seems like the Blackhawks are completely trending in the right direction. There's still a lot of other stuff that kind of needs to break right for them with this team.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you, and and I think maybe I didn't, I didn't make that clear enough, and I think Dabrinkit is the closest to have up there, but I still don't think he's like a generational Kane Taves type of a guy. Uh, you too, who's been great, there's no doubt, I sort. Of, I see him maxing out as, like, Nicholas Jalmerson, right? Like, I don't think he's going to be the next Duncan Keith or he's not going to, never going to be a Norris Trophy candidate, but he's going to be a really good, solid stay-at-home defenseman for a long time with some offensive ability. He's not going to be, like, a Norris Trophy leading the league in scoring kind of thing, but like Keith and like Seabrook were and like Jalmerson was in his prime, like, guys that will pick up some points just from their ability to make the stretch passes from the ice time they log, um, he'll put up some decent numbers. Never an elite offensive defenseman, but I think Nicholas is probably a pretty solid comp for what you 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 could expect maybe from Henry Yokaheu if things all break right for him and if he maxes out.
2: Okay, yeah, I can go with that. I just I wanted to kind of make it clear that you can have optimism in one area, but there, there's still a lot of, of other course. things that. We'll have to obviously break correctly in order for this team to go from being like potentially past its championship window to reopening said window.
1: Yeah. Um, I agree. I agree. There is a long way to go. And, and we don't like, we, I, I can't even begin to project what Boquist or Bodin are going to be. Like, Boquist almost made the team out of camp more out of like, <laughs> they're just not good. <laughs> then he was like, "Wow, this kid's awesome and ready." You know what I mean? It was more like, "Well, he's as good as any of them." I guess that was sort of the feeling. And, and I'm not—I don't want to knock him or, or make it feel like I'm uh, downgrading what he did. But it really was more of a, "Okay, well, this guy's an option too," kind of a thing. And I'm glad he's not here this year. There's no point to it. Let him develop uh, in London, and uh, I think that's a good thing. Uh, but you're right—we t- before the Blackhawks are able to talk championship again. Unless they win the draft lottery and acquire another franchise sort of player while Taves and Kane still have really good years left in them, they need to find that next generation of superstar to really consider seriously talking about a championship.
2: Yep, and it's all it's all about that money, too, man. They can go out and potentially get a really good defenseman if they can afford it in free agency, but then you also have to be able to develop at least one, if not two, as well. Like, there's obviously a lot of work left to do, but I, I have the strides that I've seen Alex Dubrinkit make this season and the way that Dylan Strom has played while he's been with the Blackhawks does give me at least some hope that Jeremy Colleton and company do kind of have – things potentially going in the right direction at least among the forward group and at least that's a you know sign of progress that we maybe didn't
1: necessarily see when this season started speaking of Jeremy Cowton, I almost forgot about this a, a small little thing that happened this week that I think a lot of Hawks fans are sort of overlooked Sheldon Brookbank joining the Blackhawks as an assistant coach um and Barry Smith's uh, eventual phasing back into the development role don't ignore that there's something to that and I think that um, what I sort of speculated when Cowden was hired and Barry Smith was brought down was it like was Barry Smith there to spy on Cowden make sure he was competent was that Cowden's choice to make uh, the more I, I listen and the more I read between the lines I think it was not I think that Barry Smith was sort of thrust upon Jeremy Cowden until he proved himself I think he's gone a long way in improving himself by the way the Hawks have been playing lately, that his system is starting to come together. Now he's able to bring in his guy, Sheldon Brookbank, and it's a small thing, but we've talked a lot about the way Eddie O and Pat Foley talk about certain members of the team or certain members of the staff. They were effusive in their praise of Sheldon Brookbank they were thrilled to see him back they talked about his chemistry with Jeremy Cowden and how much it means and how much it's going to mean don't overlook that move I think that indicates to me that Cowden has proven to Bowman and to McDonough and the people that matter that yeah I know what I'm doing here I have a clue I'm in charge I'm running the show let me have my guys and uh, Sheldon Brookbank is the first step in that direction and and look I know a lot of Hawks fans are going to hear that and be like oh that guy sucked he couldn't decide if he was a defenseman or a forward. He was just a, a, you know, a number seven, number eight defenseman. That's true, but it doesn't mean he can't coach. Wayne Gretzky was a dog crap hockey coach, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, I, I think it, it, I, I don't think I know it means something that Sheldon Brookbank is part of the staff now. So don't overlook that.
2: First of all, you're telling me that a conspiracy theory involving the Blackhawks didn't end up being true. I just I want to make sure I heard you correctly. No, is what didn't uh, end up being true? Is this one of those Duncan Keith Patrick Sharp wife things? No, I'm is telling that... you it was
1: true. The conspiracy theory that Barry Smith was sort of uh employed by the by Stan Bowman to, to keep an spy eye on, on him.
2: Jeremy Caladin.
1: Well, I mean that's over, that's making it more dramatic, but yes, yes, he was there to keep an eye on Caladin and to make sure he was able to handle the day-to-day head coaching stuff. And once they saw that he was, Sheldon Brookbank was brought they, in. They've
2: really made that determination after two months.
1: I'm telling you, man, the, it's, the day-to-day <sighs> stuff is different. Running practices, running meetings, running uh, you know, the day-to-day life of an NHL head coach. You can have all the X's and O's strategy you want, but can you connect with players? Can you get your system through to the players? Those sort of things. That's why Barry Smith was there. And look. Barry Smith in a little while is going to be out of the, off the bench and back up in the booth. It's going they've acknowledged it already. It's a slow fade out of Barry Smith. He's going back to player development and Sheldon Brookbank is going to be the assistant and it's going to be long-term. So I'm telling you, I'm not saying like, think about it. I'm telling you for a fact that that matters. And it means something that Brookbank is here and that Barry Smith is being phased out. It means something. It means that Cowlitton has proven something. Maybe not to you. Maybe not to me. Maybe not to the fans. But he's proven something to Stan Bowman and his staff that he's ready, and he's ready to take over things uh, more totally on his own.
2: Well, I'm glad Captain Turbo Tax is back behind the net. At least we know that the uh, team's accounting and finances will be in order.
1: All right. You're very sarcastic right now i think it's because you're <laughs> sick i think I no think
2: look, look no i'm I'm not trying to be like overly flippant but it just it seemed funny to me that like after you know two months the alleged uh spy that stan bowman had placed on the bench with jeremy collidan was already going I'm away not, i was just I'm not, I'm i was not, just saying that i'm not saying that like you I propagated some falsehood i'm saying that there is a tendency in Blackhawks social media land to overinflate those kinds of things, and it just was interesting that we're already kind of seeing it fade by the wayside. That it's not going to be like a potential issue anymore. Yes. I wasn't, well, wasn't blaming you. I know. I was more pointing the finger at kind of like the Blackhawks. Like I said, the social media landscape.
1: Well, let me clarify. the The word "spy" is is tongue in cheek. Barry Smith is there because he's got years and years and years of experience behind an NHL bench with the most accomplished coach in NHL history Scotty Bowman the guy knows how to run a hockey club and he knows what a coach that knows what he's doing looks like he was there to help Jeremy Cowden not to keep an eye on or report back necessarily to Sam Bowman he was there as a guy to guide him and I think now Cowden has earned that trust and has earned the ability to bring in the guys he wants to bring in if that if that's a little more clear um i think that that's that's what i'm saying i'm not saying like you know they were spying and 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 barry smith was there taking notes and here's what he's good at here's what he sucks at here's what he ate for breakfast miss lippy's car is green all that stuff like that's not what barry smith was doing but he was there to ease the transition cowden has succeeded in the transition and now they're ready to let barry go back to what he does let jeremy bring in his guys and and there we are i think hopefully i made that clear Without any <laughs> sarcasm whatsoever. I uh, hope
2: All right. I don't know much I don't know much about Sheldon Brookbanks uh coaching chops, but I think there's definitely a reason that he got the call up now. I feel like he's another guy that can really connect with the players. I think he obviously has relationships with several of the guys on the team, and I'm very very intrigued to see what kind of impact he's going to have, what areas he's going to specialize in. I always am intrigued when they bring in former players to kind of do these types of jobs because I'm very... I'm interested to see, like I said, what he's going to do, what his demeanor is going to be like, what areas he's going to focus on. I'm personally, I'm fascinated by it, and I guarantee you that there is a very good reason that Stan Bowman and company brought him onto the bench, and I'm interested to see how it ends up panning out.
1: All right. You're crabby, and I'm I'm hurt. I'm, I'm a little <laughs> insulted right now. No, I'm just kidding. Let's take a break. <laughs> come back with the three stars of the week. We're going to get to our emailer of the show as well. Uh, But first, got to tell you about our friends at Rabbit Brewing. And by the way, speaking of Rabbit Brewing, went in there this week to pick up the paychecks so I can pay pay James for his hard work and uh, just go wipe my tears and snots with all the extra money I have laying around because, you know, we're just thriving, rolling in money. Anyway, went to pick up the check, and uh, Ray from Rabbit said, hey, why don't we do another – little get together, something a little more casual. It doesn't have to have a ticket or a cost or anything like that. So on January 22nd, we're going to have a watch party at Rabbit. That's a Tuesday night, January 22nd, head on out to Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Come watch the Hawks with us. We'll do a live post-game podcast from there. I'm going to try to find a way to make it actually live so people can listen while we're doing it. There is a way I need to find out the technical uh, aspects of that. I know the opportunity exists. I know we can do it. I just need to find out how, if not, we'll record it in front of an audience and and post it that night, but come on out, join us. It's free. Come drink some great beer. Come hang out with James and I and a bunch of our hockey friends. And uh, it's going to be a great time. January 22nd at rabbit brewing head on out there. Try any of their outstanding craft ales. There's something at rabbit for everybody. And, uh, like James learned at our charity event, you go there, you want to hang out there all night, you feel like family. It's a great time. The time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Join us January 22nd for our watch party and live podcast. We will see you there. We'll be right back with the three stars of the week and the emailer of the show on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: The three stars of the week are brought to you by our star real estate broker, Michael Elwood of Remax First Service, serving all your real estate needs in the Chicagoland area. 708-675-1600.
1: That's right. The three stars of the week are brought to you by our star real estate broker, Michael Elwood with REMAX First Service, 708-675-1600. Let him find your dream home in the Chicagoland area. Number three star of the week has to go to Colin Delia, who has taken the starting goalie job by the Reigns. This week, he faced 109 shots on goal, only allowed 10. That's good for a .917 save percentage. Outstanding play from Calendelia. Delia. Uh, since really he's been called up since Corey Crawford went down. Uh, so he's our number three star of the week. Number two star of the week. We spent a lot of time talking about him tonight. Alex Dobrynkit with three points in his last three games. And, of course, the number one star of the game with eight points in his last four games. Patrick Kane, who is just tearing the B-hole off the, I don't know, that was a little vulgar and gross. but he's just, he's just tearing the league a new one right now. Patrick Kane, our uh, very easy pick for number one star of the week. So thank you to Michael Elwood at REMAX First Service.
2: I mean, it's not even the fact that Patrick Kane is registering the numbers that he's registering. It's the fact that he's making, like, a million spectacular plays. Like, I feel like that goal that he scored the other night against Calgary, where he (laughs) did the little, like, move between the legs and then lifted a backhand shot on the run near the goal line over the goaltender's shoulder was just, like, absolutely insane how athletic and how skilled it was. And, like, it just boggles my mind that he makes stuff like that look so easy when he's really on his game and he's been playing that way for like a month now and it's very obvious why he is the blackhawks lone all-star and why he was the number one star of the week a few weeks ago and that guy just enough cannot be said about how well he's been playing lately and how much fun he
1: has been to watch so uh by the way I failed to mention this because i suck as you know uh, some new information has come to light. I'm told that Patrick Kane was one of the first guys to buy in to Jeremy Calden. Really? Yes, he was one of the first guys to be like, "All right, I'm 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 down with what this guy is selling. I like what I'm hearing, and I am all in on Jeremy Calden," which I thought was really interesting because just you know, based on what you hear about guys, and based on sometimes what you observe on the ice as far as uh, body language and attitude um you can kind of see you know sometimes Patrick is not totally there um that way and uh, he was what I'm told one of the first veteran players to truly buy in on Jeremy Cowton I think uh that says a lot because when you have a guy that important to your team buying in uh you know from an early day that that kind of inspires everybody else to like all right well if it's good enough for him it's good enough for me right so I think uh that's noteworthy and uh, to me kind of unexpected uh in, in my eyes anyway so i thought it was sort of an interesting note that i was not expecting to hear all right now it is time for the emailer of the show
0: email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on twitter at madhousepod
1: just like every week the email of the show is brought to you by our friends at chuck's southern coverage cafe with locations in burbank and darien visit chuckscafe.com Check out their specials. Go there for the best barbecue, best Cajun, best Mexican, best bar food you'll ever have. Chuck's is fantastic. Uh, Their soups, their salads, their desserts. They've got a huge craft beer menu, the 120 Beer Club. Try all 120 beers they have there and you'll get a cool sticker or something. I don't even know. I've never won it. I'm not a big drinker. James is a big drunk all the time, Hammered. He's drunk right now. Uh, He's probably the closer of the two of us to the 120 Beer Club. Go visit Chuck's Cafe in Burbank, in Darien, chuckscafe.com. Email of the show comes from Steve in Romeoville. Steve says, boys, what the hell is going on with these all-star jerseys? Huh. Is
2: so, that the entire email? That's the entire
1: email. Jay, is
2: this going to be one of those things where we see these jerseys like when they first get unveiled and we're like oh dear god they look terrible and then we're gonna see them in person and we're gonna be like oh those are lovely potentially
1: i liked what i okay here there's a couple things i like about them the whole like they're made from recycled plastics cool it's well, an all-star game it doesn't of really course matter. you
2: like that you sjw you're right
1: you're right about that i i apologize but like that's cool right like it's california it's the ocean you want to do good things it's a game that doesn't count for anything so like if there's a major like sweating issue or if they like start disintegrating in the second period it's not the end of the world i also like it would
2: also be highly entertaining
1: yes it would oh look at the breakaway and his jersey melted off that's unfortunate um (laughs) boy i bet he feels silly (laughs) right uh the other thing i like is that the players will have their home logos on there i like that i like the uniformity of uh everyone's gonna i mean all-star game they always have the same uniform on but i like that they're gonna have their home crest pronounced on the chest instead of like on the sleeve or whatever i like that it's a cool little touch it's something i think the league should do from here on out and just whatever all-star jersey they decide that player's logo should be on that jersey i really like that it's also going to encourage people to buy them more which is important to somebody not to me
2: are you you actually going to go out and buy one of these jerseys i don't
1: buy jerseys anymore because i'm a fat guy and the new adidas cut does not look good on me um but i could see in the future if there's a jersey design i like a little more that's got the hawks logo on it i could see myself buying that i wouldn't buy these particular ones because i just think they're kind of drab but the idea of a
2: drab's an understatement right But
1: like the idea of a blackhawks crest on a dallas stars colored all-star game or whatever that could potentially appeal to me more than just like run-of-the-mill western jersey
2: it looks like honestly, these jerseys to me look like when you were messing with like your TV when you were a kid, like you were messing with the color balance. You were messing with the tint. It just it looks like something that was the ultimate end result of just endless tinkering with the settings on your television. Like there's just there's nothing to write home about with these jerseys. Literally, the only thing that I like about them is that they don't have the awful white collar on the black jersey, mm-hmm. if they had, I probably would have jumped off my balcony when I saw them. That might like, be an that's, overreaction. That's literally the only. Well, I get very passionate about jersey design, Jay. <laughs> I may not host Daddy's Fashion Corner, but I do have opinions about jerseys and colors and such. And I'm just, I'm gonna tell you right now that these jerseys, I don't care if I saw this in like a bargain bin in a Goodwill store for ten bucks, I wouldn't buy it.
1: I don't get why they didn't throw some teal into it.
2: Exactly. Good God. How easy would it have been to just have a little bit of freaking teal on like the sleeve or something yeah, or outline
1: the, the numbers in teal?
2: Yes. Good God. Teal is like the perfect like little pop of color for these jerseys. And yet the NHL in its infinite wisdom and its ever, ever expanding willingness to completely screw things up. They managed to not do that. It's just, it's breathtaking. It's almost deliberate that they screwed something up that was as easy as that.
1: I like when you're sick. You're an angry young man, and I like it. (laughs) Now get off my lawn. (laughs) Exactly. No, you're right, though. Like Here, just maybe I'm not being clear tonight, or maybe you're sick and stuffy-headed. I don't like these actual jerseys. I think they're very boring, but the potential for an all-star jersey with your with every player's individual logo on it i like that idea i also think cool recycled jersey i don't care but if it takes 10,000 bottles out of the ocean thumbs up right It's better than not doing that, I suppose, assuming, like we said, they don't fall off the players and disintegrate halfway through the second period. Oh, Uh, no,
2: I'm totally on board with that. (laughs) I think that's a fantastic idea. The uh, MLS did that, uh, I think, for a week this season. I think it's a really good idea. I mean, why the hell not? Be a little bit more you know, cognizant of the impact that professional sports has on the environment. And it at the very least, it's easy PR. And it's not like the material is going to be like, you know, it's not going to cause Chris Sale to come in and cut it up with scissors. Mm. It's going to be fine. You can't promise that. No, you're you're right. <laughs> like, I... I, I haven't really seen him invade an NHL dressing room to do that, though. I think that we're probably okay.
1: All right. Well, that's good news. I'm, I'm glad for that. All right. Let's Thank wrap this Lord. bad boy up. It's been long. It's been a long night. James got the sniffles. So we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we, you heard our cute little promo to start the podcast. But aside from our event at Rabbit Brewing on Tuesday, the 22nd, bigger picture, we're doing our outing with the Chicago Wolves on February 24th. 20 bucks gets you a ticket free parking, a hot dog, a soda, a Madhouse Podcast t-shirt, Wolves gear, a pregame meet and greet with Wolves brass. It's going to be an awesome time. It's going to sell out. Go to madhousepod.com slash events to join James and I and our friends at Allstate Arena to see the Chicago Wolves on February 24th. 20 bucks gets you all that and more. It's going to be a great time. So thanks to the Wolves for helping us out with that. Want to thank Rabbit Brewing for hosting our event on the 22nd. The time has come for you, James, to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. We also got to thank Triple Threat Sports and the birthday boy, Chris Hubble, 708 478 6090. If you can wear it, they can make it. Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit Chuck'sCafe.com. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933, and of course Michael Elwood, our star real estate broker with Remax First Service out there in Orland Park, 708-675-1600 find your dream home with Michael Elwood, we will talk to you tomorrow night, after no, when do the Hawks play again let me check my <laughs> schedule, because I'm a professional, <laughs> this is
2: professional yeah,
1: everyone tunes out now anyway no one's listening,
2: that's true
1: Here, if you're listening right now Tweet me and I'll send you the first person to say I was listening to the very end of the podcast. I will Venmo five (laughs) dollars just to prove, just to prove (laughs) no one's listening.
2: They play Vegas, by
1: the way. They play Vegas on the twelfth, which is nine Saturday. Saturday, so Saturday night we will talk to you. One of us will talk to you after the Hawks take on the Vegas Golden Knights and give them a good match, but probably ultimately lose. All right. Lose for for Hughes. Lose for Hughes, exactly. Thanks for listening, guys. We love you. We appreciate your support. MadhousePod.com for everything you need, including our events page for your Wolves tickets. Bye. Me, 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 but also you.
0: Today on News 4 at 4. It's one of the most anticipated lists of the year. Consumer Reports' top new vehicle picks. Susan Hogan is working for you, showing you the safest, most reliable cars for your money. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Many kids in our area are back to in-person learning, and we are helping you keep them safe in the classroom. We're working for you. Small steps you can take at home to protect them at school, and
1: expert advice to ease anxiety for you and the kids. This week on News 4 Today on NBC4.